Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another wonderful episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. How's it going? Hello. Welcome back, Jordan. We all missed you. Oh, we, thank you. Uh, couldn't wait for you to get back. Yes. We were all sad yes. you were gone. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, I'm glad to be back. Very exciting. Yes. <laughs> uh, but Danimal did a great job filling in. Uh, for those of yes. you who missed last week's show, because maybe you only watch on YouTube or listen to the podcast, uh, mm-hmm. Danimal was co-hosting as I was uh, unavailable. But I have that audio and video and will upload it to the podcast and the YouTube. But have I done that? No. So now we're going to have shows out of order because this is episode 159 and 158 will come afterwards. So I apologize. But, uh, you know, it's all it's all it's all goodness. Um, and I'm professional around here. That's just how it works. (laughs) Uh, Welcome. This is a Dungeons and Dragons uh, talk show where we just kind of talk about all of the things D&D that is um, happening in the world. Uh, and you, can't, you picked a good week to come back. It's a good Last week to come week, back. We, we were struggling to find news, but this week? Woo. <laughs> uh, and before we start, uh, I'm going to showcase... Uh, yes. I, I've been working on Dungeons & Dragons merit badges. Mm-hmm. So this is a... If you're a DM, you can take this merit badge and and proudly display it on your... What I'm hoping is we all create uh, s- like nerd scout uniforms for conventions. Yes. And then you can walk around at conventions with your nerd scout uniform and people will be like, oh, you went to Gen Con 2019. You have the Gen Con 2019 patch. Or like, oh, you had a TPK or you're a DM <laughs> or oh, you're a paladin. Yeah. Um, and this is, a, uh, this is a, an idea that I've had for a long time uh, that I wanted to do and it's going to launch potentially this Friday, the April wow. 23rd. So nice. um, I partnered with uh, Teespring, which is now Spring, and I made a whole bunch of designs for every class in D&D, DM, GM, and what's the last one? Uh, oh, a TPK. Mm-hmm. So if you've had a TPK, you can buy that. Uh, and I'll probably, I'll probably, well, watch my YouTube channel and Twitter and stuff because I'll blast it all out there. But uh, what they're going to, to save money, they're going to do, um, we're going to have a limited run where you can order it and then they're going to make only what you order. So mm. once, like, if you don't order it during that time, it'll, it'll, you won't be able to get it. So um, that, yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and I designed all the stuff and it's really cool. And all the colors, and I got all the proofs back and stuff, and I think it's going to be awesome. So uh, watch YouTube slash Twitter for that. But I just want to get the hype up because I've been talking about it in our Discord, but I also think uh, uh, some of you guys watch who aren't, aren't in the Discord. So I thought you'd check it out. And if you're listening to this as an audio podcast, go watch me on YouTube, and you can see what the badges look like. They're really cool. Imagine it in your head. Theater of the mind. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm thinking of like a green shirt that I'll not button up all the way, but yeah. it'll be that material that's like the I'm outdoorsy, I'm a yeah. Bear grills kind of person. But then I'll put all the patches on it, mm-hmm. and then I'll put like, you know, uh, game group troop 457, See? you know, and I'll just have yeah. the whole thing. I'm, I'm we need a Saturday morning D&D show, <laughs> yeah. like patch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I think that's the funniest thing, and I would love that. And then, like, you go around and you—that's the best conversation starter. Because, like, you're walking around, you see somebody who has, uh, I don't know, like Tomb of Annihilation pin, 
and you're just like, dude, I did that too. Like, how did, oh, we died on the first blah, blah, blah. And you guys can just reminisce and you make friends so easily. So I think it'd be a lot of fun. Um, we'll see where this goes. If it's popular, we'll do more pins because I or <laughs> patches. Um, oh, and there's also stickers. I made stickers as well because a lot of people on the Discord were like, well, I'm not really into patches, but I like Discord or stickers. But I, I like the idea of a, a sash, just a nerd, yeah, a nerd merit badge go. sash. So I don't know. Or or maybe we all need jean jackets and we'll go retro and just. Yeah, I'm just thinking that yeah. 80s old uniform and you don't have to you wear it open and you have your regular cool T-shirt underneath and maybe you have, yeah. you know, whatever else you wear. But you've got your old classic retro or retro modern. Yeah scout shirt on over the top yeah. of it. I just love it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to work with, uh, Lucian and his, uh, his aesthetic and we're going to get some, we'll get some stuff. <laughs> um, yes, we have lots to talk about. There's lots of yeah. stuff happening in the world Let's of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, there we're, we're just going to go down the line, I guess. Uh, lore, you should know. Lori, you should know there's at least a video out. Um, they've been releasing one a week on the domains of dread for yeah. all of those that are um, really interested in the upcoming book, which is in May 15th or 16th. So in about a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one was Haslin by a wizard. Jordan probably knows Haslick. Have you done any videos on Haslick? I don't think the so. The red wizard of Thay who the goes, wizard of Thay. gets his own domain of dread because that's how bad he is imagine this yeah you're a red wizard of fey first how bad are you uh well i mean they're they're lawful evil they're pretty bad yeah (laughs) pretty bad he's one step above that because he's got his own domain domain so how bad is that red wizard of fey that he gets his own domain (laughs) one of the most powerful spellcasters in the land of mists yeah i don't know anything about him i'll have to like read Uh, it up we need a video for sure because he sounded super interesting it sounded like the previous incarnations of stuff from Haslam was just hodgepodge barely thrown together. It wasn't super cohesive. Like we've seen in some of the other domains of dread from if you're looking back in third edition, second edition for, you know, looking mm-hmm. for any more information, but they said what they wanted to do with this iteration of it, the fifth edition, each of the domain of dreads were really their own style of high fantasy horror mm-hmm. And how could each one be slightly different than the other one focusing on different things? And this is basically the evil big wizard. How do you turn yeah. an evil wizard horror story? What are the tropes of that? What are the things you're going to do? What's it going to look like when you go to this domain of dread? And they mess with magic and they they make it so it doesn't work right or it doesn't do the things yeah. you think it's going to do. And what's the scariest thing to a group of adventurers when all their abilities or magic starts not working the way they think it would be, that would be horror for yeah. them. We might not be able to understand it because we don't have those abilities, but that would be horror for them for sure. So I thought it was interesting. I didn't get through all of it yet. I'm still um, watching most of it, but it definitely drew me in a domain I didn't know about of Dread. Yeah. Um, and now makes me super interested. So now I'm just that much closer to thinking, you know what? Maybe I am buying this book. I skipped over um, Candle Keep, but maybe... Maybe I'm not skipping over this one. Maybe I am. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, well, I, I have candle keep, uh, on D and D beyond because I figured if I'm going to run it, I'm probably going to run in like one or two of the sessions. Uh, mm-hmm. but I didn't feel like I needed a, a hardback book of that one. Um, I will of course pick it up when there's some kind of crazy Amazon buy two books, get one free. Cause that's how I picked up, uh, Theros and Dungeon of the Mad Mage and Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Uh, because I was like, I wasn't necessarily going to get those books, but then I'm like, well, when they're like practically cheap, I might as well finish the collection kind of yeah. thing. 
Um, but Ravenloft is what I'm going to get uh, that day. I'm really excited about it. And I think yeah. that's the future. Um, and I say that, or the future for D&D 5e is uh, little compartmentalized, uh, not adventures, but campaign settings in that way where, you know, whether it's a Magic the Gathering campaign setting or something like that, they're going to, you're going to find that fan base and then magic works just a little bit different here. Or, you know, like in Theros, the gods work just a little bit different than they do in other campaign settings. And that's going to be the fun. Like 5e is fun. Now we're yeah. going to just kind of flavor it with a little bit of uh, Theros chocolate syrup or Ravenloft uh, bats or something. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm curious as, as to, uh, we've always talked about this, if they'll make a custom 5e setting or if it'll always be it probably will always be pulling on the past or pulling on the uh, previous pulling yeah. on to magic the gathering because that has established fan bases and they like i that, almost but. feel like 5e because we're so far into it that's what's going to happen and maybe when when or if they do six that might be a time where they can say you know what we're going to do a whole new world for this one because it has to stand out from 5e yeah and one way you can make it stand out is if you build an entire new fantasy world to go with it. Whereas 5e4, you know, 5e was writing the 4e right or wrong as far as how public opinion was, writing the ship from what 4e had happened and and moving it back to what they thought traditional D&D I think was was even though they wanted to try to go on a, a new innovative route. It just didn't take hold at that time, you know, maybe bad timing or whatever yeah. it was, bad execution or something. Cause I know so many people still love it. Like they, they talk about 4E being fun and yet just the fanfare that was behind it, which just wasn't there. So they righted yeah. the ship with 5E, brought it back to central. So I wonder if, how are you going to make six stand apart? It can't just be continuation of what 5E did. It's got to have something else that 5E didn't. I'm thinking a whole new world for it. And I want that. I want these, I want to see what is the whole brand new world that comes from the mind of Chris Perkins or Jeremy and Greg Tito and all the people that are there. They have a ton of good writers and stuff. I'd love to see what their new world would look like, even though I love Forgotten Realms too. You know, yeah. So. No, uh, uh, AJ Pickett was talking about Mistara. Uh, that mm-hmm. would work well for 5e and, and just a new campaign setting and, um, I'm surprised. I, I, if you watched my latest video, I did a lot of talk about the Mistara world because um, my video was on ascending to godhood. Like, mm-hmm. is that a path you could take for your player? And there's a a, a third edition supplement that kind of has a way to do it. But really, the original BX D&D had this immortal supplement that allowed you to ascend and become a, an immortal. And there were rules for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more you read that, you're like, well, this is interesting. And then the immortals actually cut them, cut Mistara off from Planescape or not Planescape. Uh, they cut up, they cut themselves off from Spelljammer and other plagues. So it, it was like they, they had the power to do this. They're basically deities. And, uh, it, it really is a, it's an interesting setting. And there's like, there's a lot of Mistara. There's actually a really good, uh, Mistara lore YouTube channel. Um, and I've, oh. I'm spacing it right now, but I've watched a, a lot of his videos, um, and he just loves Mistara and talks about it a bunch, so it's pretty mm-hmm. pretty cool. Well, and the book we keep referencing is, everybody calls it the Ravenloft book, but it is Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Yeah. May 18th is what we're looking at for the release, so that'll be awesome, and that'll be in about a month. Um, and then, uh, and I'm thinking I'm going into a store to buy it, I yeah. think. 
Um, and then I'm actually going to swap our things because uh, these draconic options in Unearthed Arcana popped up. And it makes me think mm-hmm. that in May, or a little after this book, Van Richten's Guide, is released, we're going to see a Dragonlance book. Now, do you know anything about Dragonlance? Well, I, you know, a little, a tiny okay. bit. I, do I read too. some of the books, but, but I wouldn't say a ton. <laughs> but are these draconic options Dragonlance influenced, do you think? See, I didn't feel like that. But I saw a lot of people talk. I didn't feel like that either, but I saw but a lot of people talking about that. some names on some spells they put in the UA oh. article. So if you open up the UA article, um, I didn't feel like any of the draconic pieces made me think oh this is all about dragonlance especially the cobalt changes yeah i don't think they reference them much in that world but they they also added in some spells and their name of one of the spells is a character within dragonlance so i think everybody jumped to well it must be a dragonlance book then that these are going to be in um but i wonder i can't believe because icing death is partial lawsuit yeah about Dra- Dragonlance, and they're going to put out a book like a few months later on it? Well, the novel seems... is happening. So the novel is happening, yeah. and I think it they were going to tie in the novel with a thing. So I don't know. I, th- I think we're going to get some Dragonlance uh, a campaign setting as well, but uh, this, and maybe this is, maybe the whole Dragonlance thing is you get like drag- draconic heritage, but not in a Dragonborn sort of way, because Dragonborn are not in the Dragonlance universe as far as I know, so... Um, and then yeah, kobolds, and, to change up kobolds, uh, yeah. I don't know how kobolds are viewed in, in Dragonlance, but I have a Dragonlance video coming. It's just, <laughs> I have so much to read uh, and getting, and lots of other stuff happening on in my life, but uh, I'm really curious. And so anyway, this was the, th- but this follows in line with, you know, we got all of those weird, like the spooky bard and the changing of races and stuff on Earth Arcana, and then it mm-hmm. it just all of a sudden made sense why we were seeing those because of Van Richten's guide, and so people right. are applying that logic to this, saying, well, are this is like draconic stuff, guide? you know." Have we confirmed there's subclasses in Van Richten's guide? Yes. Did they give us a list yet, or are they only tease some of them? Um, it's the the spooky college spooky bard and so something we get else. spooky bard. Uh, so we get two. I don't know. I think so. Yeah. I didn't see that. All I've been seeing is the the domains of dread. I must have missed that there's a subclass in there. Let's look. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. No, um, I think there's subclasses in it. So yeah, because there were subclasses we didn't see in. Uh, what was the book before this? Oh, Tasha's. Tasha's. And it was like, wait a minute. We did like you didn't even do that. Yeah, two new subclasses: College of Spirits Bard and the Undead Pact for Warlocks. Yeah. So those are the two they brought in. But they showed us other ones that we were all attributing to a Ravenloft book, but they only put two in then. Okay. I feel like we had some other ones that we talked about that we were like, oh, I'm for sure this one is a a Ravenloft. So, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So they Uh, may do Dragonlance. And I think Dragonlance has definitely got a big following because of the novels. Yeah. And it was one of the know. original settings, you know, so. Yeah, but I've never heard a lot of people talk about playing in the setting. I've heard them yeah. talk about and and say everything about how they read the story and what they liked about the story and the characters. But I've never sat down with somebody and said, oh, well, yeah, we had this Dragonlance campaign and this is the stuff we did. in yeah. that. That's never I've heard come up before. Um, so I don't know how many people played in it. Like, I think they all read the books. I think they're like, yeah, we, we know Dritz. We read the books. There's a big group of people out there that have read those books. 
And that's how they know Forgotten Realms. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'll find a million people that played in Forgotten Realms. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder. But uh, so what did you think of these, uh, this Unearthed Arcana? As we should probably was, talk about the Unearthed Arcana itself. Yeah, so. <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool because I love the Dragonborn character, the race. I mm-hmm. love the idea of playing a Dragonborn character. I've made several of them where I've played them in one shots. Um, in fact, we were at Gen Con and we played one of them. And, but I keep not playing them from start to finish. I keep I want to play one from start to finish as a real fleshed out yeah. changes over time character. Um, I love, I think one of the things that I love about the Dragonborn too is the way Ak Inc. kind of portrayed him. Um, the way they had their Dragonborn and their campaign was super fun. And, and you could show a comedic way to play a really snotty aristocrat kind of person who thinks they're better than everybody and mm-hmm. always fails, you know, and it isn't better than other people. I like that idea about it, but there's, I like the idea that you get a breath weapon as a, as a character. I love the idea of the, describing the scales and the types of the way you look. Like, I'm just like, man, mm-hmm. if I could pick one that I, that would be cool. Like if you could really do it, Dragonborn is just super interesting. And this adds even more to it in my mind. It's like, no, it's it's way better. There's it's stuff almost there. It's almost like uh, fixing the dragonborn in a way. Uh, yeah. Because traditionally the breath weapon, you just did it. It was your whole action, and mm-hmm. now they're allowing you to cut it up. So when you take the attack action, you can replace one of your attacks with a breath weapon, and so that's really cool. Like I could turn and you know spew acid at this guy, and then go back and stab him with my dagger, and I like that mm-hmm. a lot. Um, a lot, a lot like that. That just makes it <laughs> way better. And then also the damage scales up, um, you know, yep. and and uh, it's you can use it a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus. And, and it's just it's going down that route that everyone seems to be enjoying more where things are tied to proficiency bonus. It gets stronger as you level up uh, and it's functional like I can use it, but I don't have to use it. Um, and. Well, and I mean, that's every ability. Sorry, that's a bad way to say it. But like (laughs) in battle, you don't feel like if I do use this, I'm underperforming the rest of the fight. Because I've got Um, all this other stuff I could be. Yeah, let's say I'm a dragonborn fighter and I can attack three times or I can do one breath weapon. And it's like, uh, well, now, you know, you can do that. Or uh, Mm -hmm. even, but if you're a mage or something, you could still do that breath weapon well, in, you take the attack action, you only have one attack. But I guess it really just helps fighters and other things like that. But I like the idea yeah. of it. Well, and um, I like that they've separated it, um, made more emphasis on chromatic, metallic, brought the gem dragons yeah. in, and then tied in that you're influenced at least a little bit, or you can be influenced by that bloodline of some sort. There's something in your DNA from that back in the past that at times shows up in you, Mm -hmm. you know, and it does these things. And I I like the idea of that, that, that your history, your bloodline comes into um, affecting you in some ways. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of a cool thing. And just they're dragons, man. I mean, if you're not, you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, the only thing that'd be better would be a dungeon character, right? You got a (laughs) dragon character and a dungeon character. So I think it's really cool. I liked it. Um, I did know a lot of people were like iffy on the cobalt change, um, the cobalt change I think is in line with where they want to go with five E and start removing negatives that characters have and only give them positives, not, you know, kind of take away anything that's, a uh, uh, 
like the negative two strength and yeah. Um, although I loved the kobold like uh, cry ability or whatever that gave people yeah. advantage because it reminds me of uh, there's a some viral video of a basketball player. No, it's not a viral video. It's a movie, but like. They're playing basketball, and one of the one of the kids in high school basketball just gets down and starts barking like a dog, and everyone's like, "What is he doing?" And then the other guy comes in and scores a point, and they win the game. And the original kobold ability of like, no, like groveling, like just stop, and they're all like, "What is with this guy?" Allows your rogue friend to get up behind him and stab him in the back, and I just thought that was fun. But kobolds and goblins in Forgotten Realms are very different from kobolds and goblins in Eberron or in other places. So I like that they're doing these positive changes. Like if you want to use those, you can, but like, like goblins are smart in Eberron and, and you know, and maybe yeah. in, in uh Dragonlance kobolds are more uh, invested in their draconic heritage and not like scary or not scary, mm -hmm. but like frightened all the time, you know? And so, yeah. and they changed that with this draconic roar, which basically it's a bonus action that gives you and and your friends around you advantage on the next attack rolls. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's kind of similar. Like instead of you using your action to give everybody advantage, you're like, let's go. And you charge in. Uh, I, I have a, I have a kobold thief. I want to play so bad. So, <laughs> and they got and, rid of the, uh, the yeah. negative light. That's another thing. Yeah, right. That's yeah. the one that's been, I think, and pack tactics is gone at that point. A lot of people did like Cobalt for that. If I you're do like pack tactics. Yeah. Pack tactics is a good one because you don't really you can't really get it many other places as a player. All kinds of creatures have it to fight against you, but uh, it's hard to pick up pack tactics in some other way. Um, there's probably only I guess if you're a druid wild shaping, yeah. I don't think there's a feat. But I thought there I thought there was a feat that allowed you to help somebody get um, advantage on a roll. But maybe not. I know. I know my my cleric has. Uh, oh no, no, no! We're doing the expert. The sidekick has it. My mm. expertise sidekick has the ability to do a coordinated strike, and that gives the, whoever attacks that creature next advantage on the next attack. So a a kind of pack tactics in a way. But yeah, I love uh, this also, radiant breath weapon for the crystal. Yeah. Like I just yeah. picture like just energy spewing out. Yeah. Like that's really and, cool. And if all of that wasn't enough, you got some spells there and I love yeah. getting new spells in Dungeons and Dragons. And at the bottom, summon draconic spirit. I get mm. to summon a dragon. What are we talking about here? Get me on board. I want this fifth level conjuration. Yeah. <laughs> I need a dragon running around with me for sure. <laughs> yeah, I love uh, Draconic Transformation. I think that's a fun spell. A cool and it's one. very thematic if you want to. Like, I, I was thinking of uh, Eps in my Flame Sorcerer. Mm -hmm. um, and I only took, like, Fire Things, and he was, a, he was a Red Dragon Sorcerer. I would love this spell to, yeah. at higher levels, physically transform into a dragon for a short amount of time. Or just get dra Draconic abilities yeah. and stuff. Yeah. That would be so cool. That's like playing Dota or you know, League of Legends now, because there's always that one character as the ultimate that turns them into a dragon for 30 seconds and yeah. they just wreak havoc on everybody during that cooldown. And I'm just like, yes, get that ultimate. That's such a cool thing. I love that that's a thing that we can do in, in a Dungeons and Dragons game if you let this stuff in your in your games. it's uh, I liked it. I thought it was a solid you unearthed Arcana. I think there are a lot of people that would, a lot of dungeon masters that would be willing to let this um, come into their game because I think a lot of them will like it also. Um, Makes me excited for, for the future here. Like there's going to yeah. be lots of, there's going to be lots of fun dragon stuff, especially gem dragons. That's like a, 
that'll be fun to just have new types yep. of dragons and stuff. So. so definitely cool. Everybody should go out and play test it and give their feedback when the survey comes out. Um, and I watched, uh, I saw Jeremy tweeted about it, uh, this morning about, Hey, it's out there. Make sure you go out and check it out. So give it yep. a try. Ask your dungeon masters that you can play with some of that stuff. Uh, dungeon masters out there. Don't be stingy. Let your players try out a few things. Uh, these could be some cool stuff to add to your campaigns that are out there. So, uh, MCDM. We're we love fans. them. Love them. Love them. Great books, great <laughs> products. Uh, yeah. they released the Illrigger class. God, um, it. And uh, what do you think about this? So this is kind of like a, a like a Dark Knight or a, a, a Warlock a hell Paladin. Knight. Yeah, as, Hell as Knight. As Coville says, a Hell yeah. Knight. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh it's it's good. It's really interesting. Um, Here's my problem. I'm give my opinion, but it's completely skewed because I am the largest Matt Coville fanboy. And when I watched his video talking about what the L Rigger is, what the things he can do, what he envisioned when he created the class and just to listen to that story he tells in his video mm-hmm. go to his channel if you want to watch it i'm a sucker for that i'm like a i'm a mcdm uh, apologist i'm a super fan you're gonna say oh but they did this thing wrong and i'm gonna be like you shut up he's the best in the world <laughs> shut it he walks on water you know that kind of i'm just the super i'm the the bad super fan who has no objectivity when it comes to the stuff they put out because i love it so much i love the story yeah. he tells about it i love how he presents it to say hey we did this thing here's all the stuff about it and i can listen to him tell a story start to finish he's for a very good storyteller yeah and i'm just like i'm i'm there so i like it I think a lot of other people will like it. I love the idea of a hell knight, not a not an anti-paladin per se, although most people start to think that's what the ill rigor is, but it's not. Um, it's got stuff that has to do. It's a little bit when I was talking to Danimal about it, our dungeon master from last week, um, it feels like he pulled a little bit of paladin, a little bit of fighter, and then a little bit of warlock and took those three ingredients and said, here's a hell knight of osmodius and i was just like oh my god this is super cool yeah so i like the idea of it the way he was talking about it is that uh they were originally um were going to uh, i forget her name but i think she's lil trash panda on twitter yes that's all that in my head it's yeah trash i'm always like little trash panda but uh <laughs> she works for mcdm and is good friends with matt and she's in their yeah. uh their campaign it's, it's large and, and she wanted to play a paladin, but like wasn't really getting the feeling and you know, they're cre- or the feeling she wanted. And Matt is really good at like, let's create the world and things like that. And so, uh, Anna, thank you. It is Anna. Anna. So Lars Anna, Anna, little trash Anna. panda. Anna. Sorry, Anna. We so Anna him. wanted a, a, I don't know, a cool hell night. And Matt's like, well, let's mm-hmm. build one. And so they did. Uh, and he, Matt was really good at saying, like, this is for his world. He's not necessarily trying to create something that's for everybody. Like, if you want to use it in your game, that's what, go buy it. Like, that's what it's for. Mm-hmm. But, like, it, you know, uh, lore-wise and mechanically and stuff, it, like, fits for this world that he's creating. Uh, and I like that. So to say it's, like, a little bit of Warlock and a little bit of this, that's a good way to describe it to somebody who doesn't know what it is, but you could also say 
I'm not trying to belittle that uh, the Illrigger class because you could say that same thing about warlocks. You're like, well, warlock is kind of like a little bit of a a, a wizard, but you have like a a, 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 yeah, a sneaky true. rogue kind of aspect to it and things like that. Mm-hmm. So all classes could be generalized like that. And I really do feel like this is unique. You know, you know, mm-hmm. like he has a a unique spell grade. <laughs> Uh, as or spell levels, I think they get six level spells, which is unlike mm-hmm. paladins and stuff. Um, and there is a, a fun, but there's yeah, there's like a fun hexing kind of thing, and you can like put yeah. marks on people, and uh, yeah. but it really does fit into his world. And one of the pieces of lore that I loved the most about this was that you're a knight of hell more than you're a knight of Asmodeus or of other things. And mm-hmm. so when you go walking around in hell and stuff, people are like, oh, like you're a hell knight. And and even if uh, you are a knight of Asmodeus, if he's not doing the right thing, um, you're going to protect hell itself first, you know, mm-hmm. kingdom before uh, king kind of a thing. And I like that. I thought it was kind of fun. So, yeah. And it, that's, and the combination is like, a, like you said, the, the seals, you put the seals yeah. on. And then you can consume them to do something. You get to pick a fighting style, a martial style, whereas kind of where I was thinking that fighter piece came in. And then at third level, you make a link to, uh, you know, somebody of hell, yeah. one of the one of the dukes or whatever arch kings, devils, or yeah. arch devils or whatever's in your world to hell. And there's that link, so that that paladin link comes in. Or I thought of it more of as a pact. Like from yeah, a warlock pack, yeah. then I thought of it as a paladin's way of following mm-hmm. um, a god. So that's where I felt like that warlock part come in a little bit. But there's three kind of subclasses to the O-Rigger. You can go in some very different, um, you know, one's more one's more treachery and, and sneaking around. One is more up in your face, big, big weapons, and I'm going to beat you down with my, you know, that kind of things. And then there's more of a kind of a spellcasting version of that. And I think there's you get different feels from it. Um, it feels polished. It's definitely super play tested. It's changed from, if you watched it in the chain of Acheron, he even admitted there, they, they, the first run of it was a little broken, but they've gone back and they've made a bunch of passes on it. And they're there. They put in NPCs that if you want to introduce an NPC villain, ill rigor into your campaign to let your players go up against that. They have no idea what you're throwing at them there. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, so all in all, $6.66 was another cool thing that they did. You can go out and you can buy it. If you're a patron, I think you can get it anyways. But Patrons get it for free, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's $5 so that's to become a patron, cool. just like the uh, Arcadia. But yeah, so uh, this, uh, uh, just speaking of the art, the art is amazing. And I think in, even in Matt's video, he was saying like, you know, it's probably worth more than $6.66, yeah. but I couldn't help it. And I was like, okay. But the Shadow Master art on page 12 is one of the coolest pieces of character art I think I've ever seen. <laughs> like just the, the mask and his weapons are like dark, weird energy. And he's got like a starry cloak like that. Yeah. You want to play. If that. you showed me that, I'd be like, that is the character I want to play. I mean, like, that's just yeah. really Here, cool. It's here's my money. As Kevin really Smith cool. always says, here's my money. Marvel. <laughs> yeah. So page, page 12. Uh, that's my favorite piece of art. So yeah, you can pick it up on his, uh, uh, Matt, Matt Koval's website, which I'm assuming is mcdm.com. I could be wrong, but um, they've got their store for all yeah, of their I books. I should have looked uh, Completely worth it. 100% mm-hmm. worth it. Really, really fun. Um, yeah, even, they put a lot of work into that stuff. Even if you're 
I guess if you're, I mean, it's more directed towards players and stuff, but like, like mm-hmm. I said, there's NPCs you could use if you're a dungeon master. Yeah, but they, they, they statted some up and they yeah. gave them regular monster stat blocks to make them easy to use so that you could drop them in as a, as an ally, as a bad guy, as, you know, just something yeah. to throw into your campaign too. And that's always cool too. Uh, so I, yeah, it's two thumbs up for me. I, I don't oh, think completely I completely compatible with their warfare book that's coming out also. It's oh, going to okay. have its own yeah. units. It's going to have things that they can bring to the battlefield. That's cool. So it's all doubling down on their design. The that's doing. good. Yeah. Um, awesome. So yeah, I, anyway, really good. Uh, we'll just talk about this briefly, but, uh, WizKids announced their largest mini they've ever created, which we were joking me and my gaming group is like, is that what they're going to do every three months? Because didn't they do that yeah. with the Shardalon dragon? It was like, look at the size of this. Our and then it was like, here's our Sapphire <laughs> dragon. It's so big. Here's our white dragon. Isn't it so cool? <laughs> now we've got Tiamat. It's the biggest one. Um, and it is, is quite large. Yeah. I don't know. Like this would be, this is, this is more like a decoration for your gaming room than a mini, I'm assuming. Then put the mini on the uh, table, yeah. But yeah, it's $400. That is for one chunk of plastic. Uh, yeah. Oh, man, I don't know. Like, and, and, but, and, and it's, a, it's that, this is also the problem. I bought a Bahamut miniature because <laughs> I needed a big dragon for the end of my campaign. I have yeah. used it in one fight. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like, it was really important for that one fight, but like, and people, you know, my friends come over to my house and they're like, oh, hey, it's that dragon we fought. I'm like, I know, but I've never reused it. This would be the same thing. I'm like, I just would never, I don't know when I would use it. You might use it once. You might come up with a way to throw Tiamat into your game a single time. And then you're not going to do it 20 times. Because (laughs) do you hide it? And then later on, it's like, I'll get a new gaming group and I'll run them through Tyranny of Dragons so I can use it one more time. But I have to hide it. They can't see it or they'll know it's coming kind of a thing. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I I love uh, WizKids. They make really great products. This is obviously not for your casual gamer. This is for a collector and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks beautiful. But uh, I, I think it's a pass for me. I just can't bring myself to spend $400 on something like that. That's tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But man, that's cool, though. It's really cool. Don't get me wrong. I love minis. Make sure you got a big shelf to hold it. Oh, yeah. Drop that and break it. Um, This is something I wanted to talk about. Uh, I have been working on a mime class. We've talked about this a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I just got like, I, I want to write. And I I wasn't very busy at work on Friday. So I, <laughs> I wrote down a bunch of the ideas. It's not done by any means. But I had this idea of originally the mime class that I was building for 5e, I wanted to put on the DMs Guild. But I realized that I I don't have enough time uh, to really play test it. So Mm -hmm. rather than charge people money for a product that's not going to be finished, quote unquote, play tested and stuff. I'm like, I'm just going to put it out in the world. So I put it on Reddit and I put it on some other places. And if you're in our Discord, I put it there in the homebrew section. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would love for you guys to take a look and and tell me what you think about it. And then I think I'm going to revise some stuff and maybe in a week or two, I'll have a live stream either on this channel or the regular Jordan channel. And, uh, we can just ask questions about what you think it should work or how things are worded. Um, mm-hmm. but the whole idea of this class is utilizing reactions as your main, uh, way of attacking, 
And I, I, I like that. So you, you can, you know, you can attack things with your weapons and stuff, but you use your reaction to mimic the abilities of your party next to you. And you have a finite pool of mimicry points. So you can't do this willy nilly all the time. But Mm -hmm. if Lucian's, you know, war wizard casts fireball, I can use my reaction to copy his movements and also cast fireball the exact same way in the exact same spot. And then Mm -hmm. if you spend more mimicry points, you can manipulate where that fireball goes in a different direction and things like that. So you're kind of understanding his movements to the point of like, I can do this this one time. That's cool. Uh, Mm -hmm. But if you guys checked it out, I'd love to see what you guys thought about it. So Mm -hmm. we were talking about this in, um, our campaign, um, one of our players that plays with Danimal on Tuesdays, he's running a game for friends. And in his game, he created what he called the Taskmaster character. Oh, okay. And the Taskmaster in the Marvel Universe is the person who steals the abilities. When he sees it one time, he can then do it just like. So when he fights yeah. Captain America, all of a sudden he can do the shield stuff of Captain America. When he fights Spider-Man, he can do the Spider-Man. Oh, so the person they're fighting, so the he whole gains thing, their abilities. He's like gaining. That. Yeah a chance to be able to do their moves against him. They called him the taskmaster. So when I saw this, I thought same thing, you know, that this is the idea of kind of stealing something from them, but you're also going in a route that I like that he was trying to do. He was trying to find ways to you bring exhaustion in. So when these things would happen, they might add a level of exhaustion to you or something and bring another phase of the game in that we don't get to do as much. And I like how you're focusing on reaction. <clears throat> reaction is kind of used sparingly and has very little extra stuff written about it yeah. that you can do in most classes. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's like it's like it's a little stepchild that sits over here and doesn't get used as much. But if you create a class that's working around that, I like the idea that you're taking that mechanic out. And, and, and I also like that. like so your... Well, one of the things I really liked about this too is is you really rely on a party. Like like mm-hmm. mimics are not solo or mimes are not solo class yeah. players cuz you get out there you're just like uh uh friends, somebody want to <laughs> do a magic missile or something? I just need I need something yeah. here. Um but I like that idea of it. So, uh it's been fun. I've been I've been getting good feedback. Um I just put a link in the chat, but I will also um join our Discord and there's a, well, there's a good discussion there that will happen uh, eventually. Um, as I refine the process, but, uh, no exhaustion would be good too. Just like, I don't know, like you can only do this a step of the thing. Speaking of exhaustion, that mechanic that we don't utilize for, uh, 5e very often. Um, I've been reading the mecha hack, which is about big robots fighting kaiju and things like that. And there's a really good dice system in there of, uh, it's like overdrive or 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 cooldown or something like that. So you can push yourself as hard as you want, but you have to roll these dice. And if you mm-hmm. overheat, your whole mech like shuts down and then you're extremely <laughs> vulnerable in battle. And yeah. it was one of those things that uh, I, I love as a player because you're like, how much do I want to push this? Like, oh, I've got like a, my odds are getting worse, but like he's still up. Do I want to push this? Do I want to retreat and cool down? And that's a fun mechanic in a battle. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately for 5e, the uh, D&D or the exhaustion system takes like a long rest to get rid of. This one, Mm -hmm. you like pull back out of battle and don't act for a round to like cool your vents so that you can do more in another fight. But I think the other thing he was playing around with was like stealing hit dice. Oh, that's kind of a cool idea. too. So a way to 
hamper the party, even if they do win the battle, there's some lasting damage there. Because the one thing you don't get in 5e is lasting damage for the most part. You can be a one hit point, made it all the way through that terrible fight, and you made it. You're still 100% mm-hmm. pretty much at one hit point. So there's not a lasting, you're ready to fight or punch the next thing that comes along or just heal yourself up. Um, whereas if all of a sudden you get exhaustion or you get hit dice taken from you, that starts affecting you in different ways or a poisoning effect that lingers, those kinds of things. So he was trying to play around with those kind of mechanics and I liked it. And so I like that both of you are looking at lesser used mechanics and yeah. finding ways to make them more prominent in in the system. I think that's really Yeah, cool. and that was kind of the whole idea. A, a lot of people were saying, this should be a bard subclass. And mm-hmm. my favorite comment was, I haven't read anything about this yet, but I feel like it should be a bard subclass. And I'm like, well, then you should read it first <laughs> because I don't think it could be a bard subclass the way I did it. So yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, I would love for you guys uh, to check it out and have some constructive feedback. Uh, Lucian, I want to talk about games. Specifically, I want to talk about Dungeon of the Mad Mage and what sure. you're doing in it. What's going on? Yeah, let me tell you about the cool thing. We've, Me and Jordan talked about this a couple weeks ago where we were mostly not spoiling the stuff we're doing or playing in, but then we just like, you know what? We're just going to spoil it <laughs> anyway. Don't listen to the show. I don't know. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I don't know what else we to tell you. We want to tell you about the games we, we play and the stuff. We want to dissect and get into it. Dude, we fought a green dragon. Boom. Who had a green emerald crystal-like sword stuck in its skull when the fight started. And we're like, what is going on? And this dragon's acting weird. And the fight commences, and obviously it comes after me, Khan, the great archer. And uh, I'm like, you know what? I got gauntlets of ogre strength. I'm going to rip that sword out. Let's see what happens. And I loved that it was a sword that was trying to influence the dragon to be a good dragon. And when I pulled the sword out, it reverted back to super evil green dragon. (laughs) And I liked that. That was cool. That's something really fun um, that was entered into the game. I, I... eventually I'll ask Danimal if it's something he added, if it's something he flavored, is it something that's automatically in Dungeon of the Mad Mage or not? I feel like the dragon probably is, but he could have played it a bunch of different ways. And I think he decided the way he wanted to go with it, which I think is really fun and cool. You don't get to fight a lot of that kind of cool stuff in the game. And the dragon was a friend of a druid and he found out that we had had a fight with the druid. So they didn't want to fight us. And that was the whole thing that was going on. And we were fighting werebats and were creatures galore, and we're we're in this really cool part. So, Dungeon of the Mad Mage is definitely a fun house dungeon that's going to throw everything and the kitchen sink at you. And to me, I'm getting more and more excited as we're getting higher level to see those things that we only flip through the monster manual, but we don't normally get to play too much because it's you know we're we're not we're into the CR seven, eight, nine, ten stuff. Whereas most campaigns we run CR ones, twos and threes, maybe, you know, cause we, before our, our campaign. Yeah. Goes out. So I'm loving dungeon, of the mad mage. Um, we still got some exploring to do before we go down to the next level. What level are you on now? Fun. I believe we are now on five and we're getting ready to push to six. Okay. Um, and I think that's really fun. We still have the act ink part of it. Um, it's fun to have, 
a reason to be there acting the company has sent us there and then we want to make an outpost while we're down there and we hire people to go back and work up top side for us instead of fighting and killing them we're like hey you're you're just kind of some joe schlub down here as a guard could we just pay your wage and you go and protect our inn back on the surface? And they're mm-hmm. like, sure, I get paid. I don't care. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so then they're up there, you know, it was just like, so it's fun to have that interaction. Um, it's fun to have the interactions of we're using the downtime rules for magic item finding too. So we're not having to rely so much on the adventure throwing magic stuff at us. We're using our downtime to find stuff that works for our characters. And our dungeon master's having fun with creating unique items um, that aren't in the game, might be sentient, might have abilities that can unlock later on, those kinds of things. So it's been pretty fun. I can't wait to see what it looks like when we're in the 17, 18, 19, 20 level range. Hmm. Take a character and really play through it. Not just a one shot where you're there for an hour and you might get a single battle to play that, that one character. By the time we're hitting those high levels, we'll be doing fight after fight after fight of these, these super powered creatures, you know, and just be like, I can't wait till that happens. So we're having good Tuesday nights. You can see on the animals channel, our Australian dungeon master. Um, I think the crew is fun. I think the game is fun. Combat heavy for sure. It's a dungeon crawl. Um, but there's some story coming in and out of it here okay. and there bumped into Xanathar and his gang and they're bumping back. Um, we've, inserted ourselves in two sides battling each other decide to pick one to help the other uh-huh. um Hallister keeps showing up i was about of, to say have you ran into Hallister yet okay yeah, all, well not probably him but all his different he's got clones and stuff spells and yeah or clones or weird yeah. stuff that's going on yeah so and every now and then we see an area where one of his apprentices might have been um and you get a backstory a little bit there so it is fun it's interesting and I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, not as much as Tomb Annihilation. It's my favorite. Tomb Annihilation is still my favorite. I'm going to put that patch on my scout shirt for sure. But it'll be cool to have Dungeon of the Mad Mage on there because there's not going to be a lot of yeah. people that have that scout patch. It's true. <laughs> I, I actually, I have, uh, I got Ice Dragon of Ice Spire Peak, which is the Ooh. D&D Essentials. Um, yeah. I'm reading that. I'm reading Waterdeep and I'm reading Dungeon of the Mad Mage because I realized those are the three adventures I haven't read. Mm-hmm. Mostly because I didn't own Essentials when I should have bought it. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it was for like new players, so I didn't pick it up until recently. Um, and I was going to play uh, Waterdeep and then that kind of fizzled. But once I finish reading those, I want to do a ranking, Jordan's ranking of worst to best. Like mm-hmm. what, what, are, what is my favorite 5e adventure so far? Um, not playing in all of them, obviously, but like reading them as a dungeon master and being enjoying like, this is yeah, the one I'm them. most excited to run for these reasons. Uh, so that's a future video that I'm working on. Um, oh, cool. But I got to read through those first. <laughs> so I'm going to read Dungeon of the Mad Mage and then I'll be like, oh, yeah, did you get to this part? Interesting. Definitely. Interesting. <laughs> Very cool. So what about Jordan's game? So that was my game. That's what I've been playing. I hear you've been thinking about games, playing some games, doing some stuff. Yeah, I well, I'm, I'm running a Numenera game. And we've had uh, two sessions, and they've been pretty fun. Uh, they are, I say that as like they're not fun. Like, like no, they have been very enjoyable. I want to point that out. <laughs> um, but our, so we'll go into it. Our, our players, I'm running through a, a game called The Devil's Spine because I wasn't yeah. familiar enough with, with Numenera to really create my own game. And honestly, this is, might be a point of contention for a lot of people, but like I really like running pre-written adventures. Um, 
it doesn't, I've, I've had people are like, oh, you're lazy. You're not creating your own thing. But it's like in the world of Numenera, I really needed to read all of the lore. Like I always feel like I have to consume everything before I can just start playing or start mm-hmm. creating my own world. Yeah. And it's not fun to do that all the time. And like, think if you had to consume every piece of Forgotten Realm, everything before you're like, okay, now that I have all of the options, I know that I'm going to do this adventure in Chult or something. Mm-hmm. For me, it's much more fun for somebody to be like, here, take this adventure and run Tomb of Annihilation. And you're like, oh, and then you learn the lore as you're reading and running that. And I always mm-hmm. tweak things. Everything gets tweaked and go things like that. But Numenera, I feel, is the same way. And I, I just wanted an adventure. Uh, the Devil's Spine was recommended to me by multiple people on the internet as like a good starting Numenera adventure. So uh, our friends were hired. Our party was hired by uh, a shady merchant to basically raid a wealthy person's house while he was away. Uh, They broke in. uh, The butler was there and they tied him up after like running around trying to distract him. They found a secret, uh, what they thought was a vault. But as they descended into the vault, these weird uh, centipede, like three foot long centipede creatures came out and attacked them. Uh, And one of them got, trapped on a character's spine, which is the whole premise of this thing is that now he has this parasite on his back and they have to figure out how to get rid of it. So we're, we're doing this and this is the adventure right now is they're Mm -hmm. trying to save their friend who has this weird parasite on his back. Um, It's been really fun. We're, we're digging around. They're at a point now where they have to make a choice of three different directions to go to kind of figure out how to get this parasite off of his back. Uh, We're playing tonight potentially which is exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had some, you have ran Numenera and you like Numenera. Uh, you I like do. the cipher system in general. Um, I wanted to mm-hmm. talk to you about uh, the, the D the DC for Numenera, like yeah. the difficulty class. So in Dungeons and Dragons, and this is Jordan, I'm going to tell you all about how I DM. A lot of times mm-hmm. I'll be like, roll stealth. And then they'll roll and I'm like, okay. And they will be like 12. And I'm like, yeah, that feels good enough. But like, I didn't have a number in my head. You know, they always say like as a DM, they'd be like, okay, yeah. So it's, uh, well, there's, there's lighting is okay. Okay. I'm thinking DC 13. Okay. Roll. And then they roll. And I'm like, yeah, you didn't make 13. Sorry. But usually I'll have a player roll. And if it's, if it's in that gray area, I kind of like weigh the pros and cons. And I'm like, no, I can't do that with Numenera. Because they have to have the number to hit before they roll. Like, I tell them the number. Is that correct? It's not always correct. Okay. It is common. Common. It is common to let them know because then they get a chance to to decide if they want to add effort and stuff and expend resources to give themselves a better chance. Yeah. But it also does talk about in the book that there are going to be some things when they ask for the what level of DC you're going to give it, they have as a character, no way of knowing. So you don't have to tell them. Okay. And they then have to decide if they want to do effort or should I really spend a bunch? Cause is he going to give me a DC five or is he going to give me? And the thing about, I think a Numenera or cipher that you got to wrap your head around is one math equation. And that's each DC level is three. Yeah. Right. So, when so if I say DC five, it's actually a you're 15, 15 yeah. on a D 20. So yeah. 
when you start to get good at running it, it's because your math in your head has caught up to the way the system wants you to think about oh, it. Oh, right? that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Cause and a lot so, of times I'm like, okay, how hard do I want to make this? Yeah. But if you just, if you, the more you play, the more that becomes like intuitive. Natural. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Numenera is a little bit bigger on most things don't need a role unless it's extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Sneaking around is sneaking around. There's not, you know, it's not anything too crazy. So the DC level for them might be a zero or a one, something that's super easy. But here's the thing too, is that they can decide to get the, the difficulty all the way down to zero and they don't even have to roll. They can just say, yeah, oh, yeah. I spent enough yeah. effort. I'm going to do all these cool tricks. I'm going to tell you why I can do this. And you're like, yeah, you're super stealthy and you're moving around in cool stuff. But the savvy player will realize the only way you get experience is when you fail rolls. So sometimes or you GM don't want to knock yeah. it to zero. Yeah. Right, right, right. You want to fail some things here or there, right? So that's that's the way. So you can still roll or you can't get a critical success if you don't roll. Yeah, so that's true. You can say I'm taking a 20 or I'm taking – I've, I've used this expenditure. I'm not even going to roll because I, I, there's no way I can fail. You may still want to try to roll – because then you could get a critical success on a 19 or a 20. Yeah. And then things happen when that happens. So for me, that's the big thing for, for Numenera. I wanted to ask for less roles, I feel like, in Numenera than I do in the skill checks. I feel like in D&D, I, do, I ask them about more skill checks for some reason. Whereas in Numenera, I back off from it a little bit. They're, they're mm-hmm. superheroes. It's only when I feel like they're doing something really extraordinary that I want the roles to start coming in. And I got to always remember times three by level. So there's yeah. one to 10 levels times three by whatever you it's want. It's good with the monsters because you are like, oh, this is a level four monster. We know that that's a level 12 to hit or 12 to hit yeah. kind of a thing. So yeah. I like that. And and yeah, the in Numenera Cypher system, the dungeon master doesn't roll. The game master doesn't roll any dice. It's all on the players. And that's another mm-hmm. aspect that I really enjoy. Um, and I've, I added a few GM intrusions, which are really fun. That's another way of getting experience points. Um, in this game, because I didn't know how long we were going to play, and I remember when mm-hmm. I played Numenera, uh, it seemed like we never got experience. Uh, and I was looking at this path of leveling up, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you have to have like 16 experience to get all four of these little things to work. And then you can move to your next rank. Um, and then you move to your next rank. And it just felt like I never was going to get there. So I said, if you show up to the game, you automatically get one experience. There you go. And then we've been doing gym intrusions in the in the middle of it and stuff. And if they find artifacts, they also get uh, experience for artifacts and stuff. So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's been, I don't know. We've, we've only had two sessions, but I really like it. There's a certain joy about learning a new system. And although Monty Cook has made... Numenera 5e conversions Mm -hmm. the world of Numenera being this like not retro but this futuristic like post-apocalyptic kind of society where you're digging up weird pieces of technology from the path you know it's the ninth world um I like this idea of not I'm not a wizard I'm not a fighter but they have their own mechanical things like I'm a nano and nano mm-hmm. is kind of the equivalent of a wizard, but like you get to flavor things in such a different way. And it's, it's really kind of interesting. Yeah. So I like the idea too, of the idea that you went from high technology 
and it failed so badly that we almost went back to the Stone Age. Yeah. But you still find pieces of high technology or other known magic because what mm-hmm. do people imagine magic is? Something we just don't understand yeah. or know. And I love that about how Numenera pulls that out. We were talking just before the show. I'll add in. I do feel like the system, Cypher system in Numenera is heavy on atmosphere and exploring and and not quite understanding what's going on. And that's the cool piece to embrace as a player is that you're going to be in the weird. Your Things are going to be described to you. You're not going to be sure what they are. And it's going to be a lot of looking around and exploring and searching and doing stuff and slowly uncovering clues that are going on. Whereas 5e can be that, but most games of 5e we play aren't that. Most games of 5e are punch somebody in the face games, right? Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of mystery, but then we're going to go punch that person in the face once we've solved the mystery. Or the mystery is, you know, we attacked these (laughs) people and they left a clue or something. Right. Whereas the whole idea is like, like, yeah, uh, uh, Numenera feels like the number one priority for Numenera is to explore. You're not, you're not here to, you know, kick ass and take names you're here to figure out what's over that ridge what's under this what's in this cave what's over here here to find cool yeah you're here to explore and find artifacts and things like that and 5e yes you are here to explore but like the reason you're going over that ridge is not to see what's over there like probably people know there's an old cave there with a a woman that lives in a house that's got chicken legs. Like you go there to talk to her, fight her, get information, you know? Yeah. yeah, So, and I think if you lean into that, you help your players lean into that. I think everybody can have a much better time if you can set those kinds of expectations early on. And when everything is starting, I think the one, if you're a player of Numenera, the one thing you want to help your DM to get excited about he they he she or they are going to be super excited about the story and the world that you're going to explore you as a player need to be super excited about how your character is going to advance and understanding what your character can do and what it will be able to do in the future if that's where your fun is then you help them have fun too and then it all works out together i think yeah. so the, there's really cool ways to advance your character and do things with these interesting, interesting characters. I mean, your character is a sentence. Just the yeah. fact that you, like that when you lot. describe who you are, you describe yourself as a sentence. I love that mechanic, hands down. So, yeah, super fun. <laughs> um, I uh, am pestering. So, we, uh, Lu- Lucian and I we were talking about vaccines also earlier, and that yes. we're both getting our second shots soon. Mine today. Uh, yeah, yours is today. Mine's in a couple days. Uh, and then we're going to, well, anyway, so I will be vaccinated by June, which I'm very excited for. And June 26th is DCC day. So you should definitely go out and try to, uh, run games, play in DCC day, go get stuff. This is, they're actually going to, they're pushing to do not pushing, but like safely, they're going to have in-store events. Uh, I've been pestering. I went there physically the other day to my local game shop and I'm like, DCC day. Have you heard of it? And they're like, what? And I'm like, here, go sign up. I was like, I will run games for you. I want to play this so, so bad. And I went then on social media and I've been tagging them on social media and I'm like, go DCC day. Jordan wants to run games for you. Go sign up, please do all Mm -hmm. this other stuff. Uh, so that's June 26th. Uh, and I just wanted to put that in people's heads so that you yeah. should also go support play Dungeon Crawl Classics and support your local thing. They've had it rough. <laughs> they have. They've had it rough. 
Um, anything else before we go, Mr. Lucian? No, it was fantastic to have you back, sir. Yeah. We always miss you uh, if, if we miss a week with you. But it was cool. Yeah. I can't wait for all the games we play. I can't wait for all our more conversations. And I love it. Yeah. You guys should have those conversations on our Discord. You should go to the comments of the video and tell us what you like, what you don't like. Um, do it in a fun way. Do it in a cool way because we like to interact with all of you. Yeah, go, for sure. Go rate that podcast too because that helps. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Go sign into your <laughs> iTunes account that you haven't signed into for decades and, and yeah. rate, a, rate a podcast. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening and subscribing and checking it out. Uh, we will be back next week with another episode of the Saturday morning D&D show. Uh, I didn't have my transitions ready. You should have But now they ready. are, so we'll see you guys later. Bye-bye. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.